0: Today's reading is Mark 10, 46 through 52. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David! What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Good morning, everyone. Nice to see you. Well done for getting out of bed. It was a deep joy this morning, wasn't it? So, um, (laughs) it's just awful. Every year it gets worse and worse. So, um, anyway, it's great to have you here. Uh, My name's Alex Absalom. I'm one of the uh, pastors here. Uh, I wanted to start just by uh, saying hello. We have a whole bunch of college students here from Crewe who are in town this week. So, uh, can you guys just stand up? Let's just uh, give them a warm greeting. Welcome, guys. Have a sit down. Um, so it's going to, Erin, where are you? OK, you do you want to come up? I'm going to pounce on you for a moment. Uh, Joanne, could you give him the mic as he comes by and ask? He can tell us about what we're doing, they're doing. Uh, so we've got folks, if th- get these right, um, from Mon- Montana State. Hello? OK, try it again. Montana State. All right, OK. Uh, University of Arizona. OK, University of Utah. And Oklahoma University. Okay, you're my favorites because uh, the first place we lived in the States was Oklahoma City. So we lived in, so there you go. I was, I was down in Norman. First place we watched um, your kind of, you know, American girly football was at OU watching that. I mean, you should kick it and all the rest of it. But that aside, it was, it's great. So we're boomer sooner, all the rest of it. So there we go. little kind of OU recovery moment now. It was good. All right, so tell us about what you guys are all doing in town this week.
2: Yeah, so we're with Crew. We're a Christian missions organization that's on a lot of different uh, college campuses throughout the country, throughout the world. And so these four campuses have come to spend their spring break with us. And so we're planning um, a lot of evangelism opportunities at Long Beach State. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're going to be spending all day at Long Beach State, getting into conversations with students on their campus. Thursday, we'll be going up to L.A. to kind of get a tour of L.A., but a specific tour was just kind of the spiritual climate of what's happening there. Hearing about a lot of the ministry opportunities um, in LA, and then they get a free day on Friday to explore, um, and then they go back and hopefully take what they've learned here back to their campuses and um, continue taking steps of faith um, back on their home campuses. That's
1: cool. And what would you say is the best thing we could pray for you guys for the next few days?
2: Um, it's it's a long week. Um, they're going to be getting into a lot of conversations. And so just pray for energy um, that the students can wake up every morning. Um, they're waking up before 9 on their spring break, so that's huge. Um, and then we'll be spending um, a few hours every day um, at Long Beach State getting into conversations. And so Long Beach State has seen a lot of fruit these past few weeks. So just pray that we can be um, continuing that and that we can get into a lot of great conversations with their students um, on their campus and see a lot of people come to Christ um, but just specifically energy and that our students are taking steps of faith um, in ways they haven't before yet it's wonderful
1: guys we are so grateful you're here in this city thank you so much for blessing and sowing the city we're excited about what God's doing in this place and we're just thrilled that you're here as a like booster rockets to help what God's doing here so uh, Grace Church let's extend a hand towards these uh, folks and let's bless them in the name of the Lord uh, for all they're going to be doing this week so um Jesus, we thank you for these guys, uh, these men and women who've given up their spring break to come and serve in this city, to invest into this place, uh, and particularly on, uh, on the campus, uh, Lord. And so we're so grateful, and we pray you give them a tremendous week. We pray for safety, for health, for security, for lots of fun, tons of laughter, but also some really profound conversations uh, that they'll get to have with students, with administrators, with those folks in the city. And we pray for each one of these young people, Lord, that this would be a really um, uh, significant week for them, that they would encounter you, Jesus, and they would see you alive in fresh ways, and you would stretch them and grow them and speak to them about your destinies over their lives. So, Lord, we bless them in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, ma'am. appreciate it. There we go. Do you want to give that to Joanne? And she's going to come up as well. Wajran's coming. I want to let you know about an event that's happening in this city on, uh, in three weeks, on Saturday, April the 9th. It's called The Call, cool, And it's happening at the, um, uh, the LA Memorial Stadium. And basically, uh, we are 110 years after the Azusa Street Revival started, uh, which obviously started here in, in Los Angeles. And so there's a big gathering happening there at that enormous stadium. Uh, to worship and to pray and to ask God to send a fresh wave of revival uh, into this nation. And so, uh, there's going to be groups like Jesus Culture playing and, and folks like that. So, it's a time of prayer and of worship. So, Hannah and I and the boys are going and I know some other folks are. So, it's free to get in. So, if that's something you're interested in just uh, look it up online. I think it's thecool.com or thecool.org. But if you just Google it, you'll find it. Uh, we'll try and get the link out onto the website. But that's something in three weeks' time if you want to be part of that. So, that's the thing we recommend. Joanne. Alex. Nice to see you, my dear. Just for those who don't know, introduce yourself and just tell us about what you and Brian are are, are doing in uh, the place where you feel God's called you to be on mission.
3: Okay, so I'm Joanne Chung. I'm married to Brian Chung. We've been married almost 37 years, have three boys. Wow. All married. Yes. (laughs) And two grandkids. And we've been at this church ever since Evan... You know one year before he was born, so thirty two years right yeah
1: so you 're finding a way around then yeah. yes, we finally found the
3: bathrooms and
1: everything yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, tell us about the pl- you, so tell us about your neighborhood and, and what you feel like the lord 's been saying to you guys about being on mission there
3: right um, we feel very called to our neighborhood, and um, the first you know the first thing I tried was uh, doing a neighborhood watch and um the lady the the connecting lady at the police station was out of town and then i was out of town and so it was a complete wash it just didn't didn't work and so we started a pumpkin carving party back in october and that brought everybody together Mm -hmm. and um we met people we hadn't met before, neighbors that we didn't even know existed, and um, that, was a, that was a beginning.
1: Mm-hmm. And I know you've obviously been having conversations since then, but on Easter, this Easter, you're doing something really cool, so tell us about that.
3: Right. Well, at the pumpkin carving party, I met somebody I'd never met before, and she seemed very interested in what we were doing, thought, this is a really good idea, let's do something like this again. And, and she said, "I'd love to do it at my house, but I just, you know, I just can't go around the neighborhood and invite people." I said, "Let's just collaborate. So she's going to host uh, a little Easter egg party at her house, and I'm going to put the flyers out to all the neighbors, and uh, just get whoever's in town, whoever can come, that's who's going to be there. And um, we hope to, you know, meet new neighbors that." that you know, haven't really met uh, before. So we're just wanting to be a connection point for people.
1: And the goal of it is?
3: The goal of it is, is um, we we just really want to give Jesus opportunity to love people. And the first point of doing that is getting to know people <laughs> mm. and and learning to know them, learning to love them ourselves. And so that's what we're doing. And you're yeah. having
1: a party. And we're it. having
3: a party. Yes. We're going to have food and fun and and just get to know each other.
1: Okay, and then finally, if there were folks sitting here thinking, that sounds dead simple, throw a party for some neighbours around Easter time, um, what would you say to them if they're, one, if they're on the fence? I,
3: I'd say it is dead simple. Mm-hmm. No, actually, I wouldn't say that. I'm not English, so <laughs> I would say go for it. Just go for no, it no. because it's uh, it's it's easy. You know, like I said, the first time I tried something, it, it you know, pew, crashed and burned. But you just try something else. Try whatever Absolutely. works for your situation, for your neighborhood.
1: That's brilliant. Let's pray for, for you guys now. Thank and, you. Um, I'm excited for what you're doing. I love the fact that you keep keeping going, even though, you know, so I think sometimes it feels like we can mess something up and you, we kind of think, oh, I better not do it again. But absolutely the opposite, and your response is the right one, which is we try stuff, doesn't always work, let's try something else. And that's, what, that's how we learn, that's how we grow. So Jesus, thank you so much for Joanne and for Brian, and thank you for their desire uh, simply to follow you into the mission field, which for them is their neighbourhood, mm. and to be a blessing to their neighbours. And we pray that you would... Uh, pour out your Holy Spirit upon this gathering. The practical stuff will come together, but more than that, there would be awesome conversations that people would just be uh, building connections, but they'd be intrigued by, by you alive in Brian and Joanna, Lord, that they, would, uh, that they would experience you through them. Lord, we pray that you would bless them. This would be a great occasion uh, that it would be something that lays foundations for what you want to do in transforming that neighborhood. And Lord, we pray for others in this room who hear this and think, oh, that's, that's stirring my, my heart. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would speak to them and, and draw that out as well into whatever that next step is for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank, thank you, thank Joanne. You. Let's give her a round of applause for stepping out like this. Okay, so as you know, I'm originally from England, and uh, the English have some curious ways of speaking, and our culture is one which is very much one where we tend to understate stuff. And so now we've been at Grace for like six months and I know you guys are hearing me for the first time but uh, I thought it'd be good to give you a few kind of phrases that you might hear coming from our lips as English people and then to give you the translation so you actually know what we really mean by it. Because we're realizing you don't always understand what we say. So for instance, uh, when, when, if you're around at my house and uh, I say to you, oh, is that the time? The translation for that actually is please will you remove yourself immediately from my home. That's kind of what it means. Uh, If if you hear me say something like, um, it'll probably be fine, the translation is actually, please prepare for a complete catastrophic disaster. (laughs) If you you give me some information and I say, well, if you say so, what I actually mean is you're completely wrong. (laughs) If I say maybe as an English person, that really means no. And if I say, that rings a bell, Uh, What I really mean is I've absolutely no idea what it is you're talking about. Uh, And I was thinking about that, thinking, actually, uh, very often when we relate to God, we have too much of an English type of faith. It tends to be very understated and a bit muted and dialed down. It's almost like we lack a kind of passion and an energy and a tenacity and boldness in going uh, after God and pursuing Him. Uh, I think we need to be, let me put it like this, we need to be less English and more Middle Eastern in how we pursue God. Uh, Reading this passage, this story of Bartimaeus, which I love, is such a great uh, story. But if you think about the situation Bartimaeus was in, Bartimaeus is blind, and in this culture 2,000 years ago, it was a brutal world. And so for him to be blind uh, basically meant he had a permanent passport to abject poverty he was a he would have been at the bottom of society very poor very difficult life that he had and yet what happens is Bartimaeus the blind guy he hears Jesus is passing he hears Jesus is coming by and so Bartimaeus thinks i have got one chance this is my one chance i've heard about this guy jesus maybe he can transform my situation and so what Bartimaeus does, he doesn't do an english thing not quite knock on the door excuse me jesus no he does the opposite he starts shouting He starts shouting out for Jesus, for his attention. And he wants Jesus to interact with his life. And the crowd are hushing him, saying, shh, be quiet, Jesus, be quiet. Not to Jesus, to Bartimaeus. And he's shouting even louder. In fact, I think we should um, just, let's just practice how Bartimaeus did it. So the words he says are, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So I want to hear you all say that now. One, two, three. Jesus. No, that wasn't good enough. All right, so we're going to try that bit, bit more energy because it was a bit passive, that. I know we've had the clocks change, We're going to wake ourselves up. Okay, so in fact, uh, let's divide the room into two groups. So, oh, you love this. Okay, so some of you will get to be Bartimaeus and some of you get to be the crowd so, so Bartimaeus you're going to kind of cry out for Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me the crowd, you're going to go, shh, be quiet you're too noisy, stop it or words that effect, alright bearing in mind we're in a church building alright, so um, you lot over here, this section, this quarter you can be Bartimaeus and the rest of you all you get to be the crowd, alright okay, so Bartimaeus, go crowd what come on come on more come on I can't hear you Bartimaeus all right okay so so Jesus we're there we want we want more of Jesus we've got to be desperate we've got to be hungry it's not quiet. English cries out to Jesus it's desperate you're my only hope Jesus, you're our only hope. We need you. Please have mercy upon us. And I think sometimes it's almost like we're offended that we have to be energetic, we have to pursue God. Uh, It's almost like we say, well, why can't Jesus come over to me here? Well, he can. But sometimes he wants us to actually show some energy and some faith and some passion and some desire to pursue him. He is God after all, and we're not. And so there's this thing of, let's say, let's be less English, let's be more Middle Eastern. When we sense God's on the move, let's go after him. Say, God, have mercy, man, I need you in this situation. And the thing I love about Bartimaeus is this. Bartimaeus says, Jesus, have mercy on me. Do you know what that is? That is the shout that stopped God. Wouldn't you like to have a shout that stopped God? That would be cool, wouldn't it? What sort of shout is the shout that stops God? I love it in the Message translation of of, of this passage, and and the crowd after Jesus stops, and says, uh, "Come on over." Uh, the translator is, "It's your lucky day, get up." He's calling you to come, uh, which I just think is a fun fun way of putting it. And Jesus uh, greets Bartimaeus and says, "What interesting, very interesting." He says, "What can I do for you? What can I do?" He doesn't just assume. He says, "What can I do for you?" In other words, he's kind of saying to him, uh, "What have you got faith for?" And now the English Bartimaeus at that point would have said, oh, Jesus, do you have a bit of spare change? You've got a couple of quarters in your pocket I could have, please. That's the English Bartimaeus. The Middle Eastern Bartimaeus says, Jesus, I need to see. Open my eyes so I can see, please. That's a bold request. I want to see. And the amazing thing is, Bartimaeus is healed. He can see. And as I looked at that bit, uh, Three things struck me. There's many more you could get, but the three I could get were this. Three things I see about this healing which struck me as being interesting. The first thing is this. Jesus says to Bartimaeus, go. He says, go. In fact, the phrase he says, um, he says, go, your faith has healed you. So the first step is this. Uh, Sometimes the miracle comes as we go. Sometimes the miracle comes as we choose to go on missions, we choose to follow Jesus into the mission field. Um, I I think something I've noticed, the tendency we can have as as followers of Jesus, once we get, get used to church life, is we can kind of sit around and say, well, I'm going to wait to be healed up before I go and do anything for God, before I go and represent him in my workplace on Monday at 9.45, or at my school, or in my neighborhood, or or on campus, wherever it is. And you know what? We can always find more junk in our lives that God's got to sort out before we go away. You're never going to be perfect this side of heaven. But... Uh, that can become an excuse. And yet what God calls us to do, he says, you know what, I'd like you to go. Even with all your strange, curious ways of behaving and your idiosyncrasies and the the messed up junk you've still got with you, I want you to go. And one of the things I've noticed about as people who choose to live on mission, wherever God's placed them, their faith grows exponentially. Because there's nothing like being in a situation where people are asking you great questions or when you're having to wrestle with, with tensions or when you're, you're wanting to pray for healing for friends or whatever the situation is. How do I represent Jesus in this difficult workplace scenario? And by, that, by learning to live in that tension, actually what you get, uh, you become is far more hungry for God, far more hungry for God to move. We start to pray bolder prayers of faith because we're really on the anvil. Because things got, unless Jesus comes through, we're going to look like complete Muppets. And, and we need him to do that. We need God to come through. And so I, doesn't it doesn't surprise me that Jesus starts off by telling Bartimaeus to start to, to go in towards uh, the place of mission, the place where faith is most stretched. The second thing I notice about his healing is this. He throws his cloak aside. He, he, he gets rid of this cloak. And here's the thing that I reflected on, which is this. Sometimes, in order to receive the better thing from God, first we have to lay down the good thing that's already in our hands. Sometimes, in order to receive the better thing from God, we have to first lay down the good thing that's already in our hands. For Bartimaeus, the cloak uh, was something which was very important for him. Uh, So he would have his cloak; he'd wrap it around himself at night, keep him warm. He didn't have a home, probably. And that's how he, he kept himself alive physically. In the daytime, when the sun came out and started to heat up, he would lay the cloak out, and that's where people would put their, their offerings. That's how he would beg. And so for Bartimaeus to lay his cloak aside was a massively vulnerable uh, step and undertaking to take on there. And, um, and yet it was something which was not just a physical thing. It represented something in his heart as well, a change in his heart. It was a change of posture, a change of status by faith He was recognizing that Jesus was going to transform him. You see, often what happens, uh, I know in my own heart, and and I'm sure you would resonate with this, is that we take on um, defensive strategies for how to get through life. Maybe it's been caused by things from your childhood or as you've gone through life. So, uh, for instance, we might take on the characteristic of thinking like an orphan, and yet actually The truth is that God is our loving Heavenly Father. He's a good Father who is all good things for us. We belong to Him once we trust in Jesus. And so we need to get rid of that orphan mentality. I don't have someone to rely on. I have to kind of manage by myself. And instead, look to God as our Father. Or maybe we come with a mindset uh, that says, uh, um, it's almost like a poverty spirit. And we think there's never much I've got to kind of grasp and hold on to the little that I have. And yet what Jesus does to us is he reminds us that he's a God of abundance and we can afford to be generous and generous and crazily generous because there's always more. There is never a shortage with God. There is always more than enough if we're truly trusting in him and have faith in him. Or maybe uh, we go through life and we, we operate out of a mode of self-reliance because we think, well, there's no one else going to look out for number one unless I do it. I've got to take care of me and maybe my immediate family. And yeah, it's good to want to do that, but actually it demonstrates also a lack of trust that, that God is there for us and he provides and he cares. And actually he places us in community so that we get to give and to receive within that context. And, and so on. We, we could write a long list about this. And the thing about discipleship, the thing about being a disciple of Jesus, is that we learn how to see correctly. As a disciple of Jesus, the journey of discipleship is learning how to see correctly, and then it's having faith to live out of that greater revelation. So when God starts to reveal something in your life and says, I know you've been operating like this, But now I want you to see differently. I want you to see a different way of living in that aspect of your life. And then what he wants us to do, he gives us a gift of faith so we can start to walk out living differently in that aspect of our lives. That's the second thing. Bartimaeus throws the cloak aside. He's laying stuff down there. And then the third thing is this. There's a little Greek word that appears twice in this passage. It's a Greek word which is hodos, H-O-D-O-S, and it means the way, uh, you see it in verse, it, it, and it bookends this passage. It's at the very end of verse 46, where we f- see Bartimaeus is introduced to us, and it says he's sitting by the roadside. Literally, the word is sitting by the way, uh, begging. If you went back to the Greek there, and then it appears at the very end of the passage in verse 52, uh, at the end, it says uh, Bartimaeus receives his sight and followed Jesus along the. Way, along the hodos, it says road there. And that word hodos, the way, is both a literal thing, literally the road, but also it's a metaphor. And it's a metaphor for following Jesus along the way. Because being a disciple, being a follower of Jesus, is a journey, it's not a one-off destination, you know, where where you've kind of paid your money and boom, you're done. But actually it's it's an invitation to a a relationship, an eternal journey with Jesus, walking with him. And so um, you see that word used throughout the scriptures, actually, in that metaphorical sense as well. And so you have, for instance, John the Baptist, a couple of examples. John the Baptist, uh, he's the one who's sent to um, uh, prepare the way for the coming Messiah. Uh, You have uh, Caesarea Philippi, uh, Mark 8, where um, you have, it says, on the way, Jesus says to the disciples, who do people say that I am? And then, who do you say that I am? And that's the great declaration of faith that Peter has which is one of the pivotal points in Mark's Gospel. Uh, Earlier in chapter 10, you have the story, do you remember the story of the rich young ruler who who comes and runs and kneels before Jesus? And it happens as Jesus is on the way, and he kneels and says, what must I do to receive eternal life? And so uh, this word idea appears throughout the Bible, because to follow Jesus is to be on the way, on the hodos. In fact, in the Acts of the Apostles, One of the first labels given to the followers of Jesus were they are the people of the way. We read about Paul before he's converted when he saw, he's persecuting, dragging off to jail, those who are followers of the way. And what does this all mean? Well, I think it means this. Uh, When we see that word, we get this flavor of a wonderful journey, this wonderful journey uh, of, of life, of transformation, but also of great cost. Because as Jesus is... On the way here uh, in the Gospels, we see him go towards the cross and the incredibly costly sacrifice that he paid there. And really what we're being told is this, if you want to follow Jesus, if you want to be his disciple, his friend, his servant, you're going to see two things happen uh, as you follow him on the way. You're going to be taking this pathway which is a road uh, towards both martyrdom and miracles. It's a journey towards death And life. It's a journey towards sacrifice and abundance. That's what it means to follow Jesus. It's these two things kind of held in creative tension like that. Uh, Here in Mark 10, uh, what we see is Bartimaeus starts at the beginning when we first meet him, he's sitting beside the way, kind of just observing Jesus on the way. By the end of the story, the interaction, Bartimaeus is now up and walking, following Jesus on the way. He's choosing to orientate his life around, uh, around Jesus. And, of course, there's that wonderful invitation that's contained within that. And maybe some of us here today need to make this decision today, which is, am I going to move from simply being beside the way, watching Jesus, watching his followers, and instead choose to start being on the way, following Jesus? Whether that's going to take me to, you know, there's death and life that comes in that death to self, Death to sin, new life that comes, the resurrection life that Jesus brings to us. So in a, later on in the service, we'll give a chance, of, if that's you, to actually pray and say, Yes, I want to commit to going all in with Jesus, to following him on the way. But for the rest of us, the question I, I take out of the story of Bartimaeus is uh, just how desperate are we for Jesus? Uh, because it's almost like this. Uh, God is moving, and we have this window of opportunity. It's almost like we have an invitation to say, Lord Jesus, I want your touch in my life. I want you to to come and take hold of me afresh. And um, it's almost like we say, Jesus, I want your touch, and we'll sort out the theology later on. Sometimes we need to be willing to do that. I've got postgraduate theology degrees, so I'm not knocking that, but I think sometimes we get our minds in the way of our hearts. Uh, Earlier this week, Hannah and I spent some time with some friends here in the city who, who are part of another church. And we had this fabulous lunchtime where we started telling Jesus stories, stories of things we've seen God do. And um, uh, we ended up talking about different types of healings. And we ended up having this, it, it was, I don't know how enough we got that paper, was it? But we were talking about leg growing stories, uh, which I always liked. The first time I ever saw healing was watching a leg grow, and uh, which is quite fun. Um, and they were t- so they're kind of they would kind of do one-up stories about who's got the better leg-growing stories for Jesus. Um, but <laughs> it was the most weird conversation. And they said, well, we've got a friend. Um, this, is, this is a great story. You'll love this. So, so we've got a friend, and um, he's got this real kind of um, effective ministry at praying for healing. And so he goes to Disneyland one day. And he's in Disneyland, and he sees a lady uh, who's being pushed around in a wheelchair and clearly got one leg much, much shorter than the other. So he felt God give her the Holy Spirit, dig and give him the Holy Spirit, dig in the ribs. So he goes over to her and says, um, "Hi, I noticed you know your legs much shorter. So, would you like us to pray for you that Jesus would heal you?" And she goes, "I'm an atheist." He goes, "Well, that's all right. We'd love to pray for you." She goes, Is that all right. Sure, okay." And so he looks around and says, "And it's because it's busy. It's really crowded." And he goes, "Is anyone else here an atheist?" And this guy goes, "Yeah, I'm an atheist." He says, "Well, come over here. You're going to pray for her to get healed by Jesus." <laughs> And this guy goes, but I'm an atheist. This is all right, I'll tell you what to say. So he comes over and he gets someone kneeling down next to her and he can like, got the two legs there and like, one's like that, one's like that, really long. If you put her on the ground, she'd walk around in circles, they're so short. And um, she's like that. And he says, right, put your hand on her. And the guy goes, okay. And he says, pray this. Jesus, you are Lord, please heal this lady. And so the guy goes, Jesus, you are Lord, please heal this lady. The lady starts screaming. The person holding her leg starts screaming as well because her leg goes like that grows fully out in front of all these people. Everyone completely freaks out. I mean, this is Disneyland, obviously. I love that. I mean, isn't that cool? So, a guy who's, who absolutely loves Jesus, uses, through in, under the prompting of the Holy Spirit, an atheist prays for an atheist in Jesus' name, and she gets healed. Now, I'm not quite sure how I theologize all that. I have to kind of, I'm still trying to process that. But there's something about that radical faith in Jesus that's saying, Jesus, you're on the way, you're passing by, I'm going to call out for you. Jesus, I want to join in with what you're doing. Jesus, I believe that you are the one who wants to, you are a good, good father. It's that Chris Tomlin song goes at the moment. I love you. I, I believe that you have good, good gifts for us. You want to do good stuff in this world. I don't want to just be a passive consumer, just watching the parade go by. I want to be in on this. I want to play my part. I want to be Engagements at school, in my neighborhood, at work, wherever it is you call me to do. And and I think the key is this as we if you want to be like this, if you want to live this sort of life, um, I want to give you just a phrase which is stop and pray. That's what Jesus did here, and that's what we can do. Stop and pray stop and pray. When you see a situation, when you hear about something going on, when, when God puts a person on your mind, it has come to your mind. Uh, when you um, uh, think about, uh, I'd love to see how this church could grow, or you're thinking about God at work on your campus, or you're thinking about a situation where you could love to see God at work, you stop and pray for that. And we, we pray with passion, we pray with energy. You know what, friends, when, we we have to learn to become a praying people because that's one of the bedrocks and the keys of seeing the kingdom come. We've got to grow. We've got to up our tempo in how we pray. Uh, So we really get committed to being a praying people because that's one of the things that is going to be transformatory. And as we stop and pray for those things, we we, we say, God, let's... God, would you help me to stop and pray when I'm with my friends my colleagues and, 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 and my classmates and so on? So, for instance, uh, when a friend says to you, uh, "My business is down; is really struggling at the moment," stop and pray. When someone says, "I've, I'm on, I've lost my job; I'm on the job hunt," stop and pray. When someone says, "I'm completely stressed out about all my studies," say, "Would it be? I know it sounds crazy, but could I pray for you? Because I believe Jesus is the great educator; he'd love to help you with that." When someone says, um, uh, "You know, I'm sick as a dog; I really need; you know, I, I feel terrible." Do you say, this is going to probably blow your mind, but I believe God wants to hear you. Can I pray for you? Let, how about being the sort of people who, when, we, when we're encountering friends who've got, they've got a brand new baby. They say, you know what, I think God would want to bless you and bless your child. Would, you, would it be all right if I just prayed a prayer of blessing over your brand new baby? When we're, when we're with a, a friend and, and they say, um, oh, my flipping children, to use another English phrase, um, they're driving me round the twist, uh, just, just write down the phrases, okay. Um, uh, I don't know what to do about them. How about we stop and we pray? and we say, you know what? I, I, I understand, and I have no idea what the answer is, but I think God's the source of all wisdom. Could I pray for you that God will give you wisdom in parenting? How about we, we be a people who make the decision in our hearts today I am going to stop and pray? And sometimes we're going to get it wrong. Like, drama saying you know you said oh we've made some mistakes along the way but you've kept going that's the sort of tenacity that faith births that's what God honors because you're not going to get it right every time but you know what you'll get it right far more times than you realize and far more times than you expect people go oh yeah I would love that I would love that we've seen it Hannah and I and our boys have seen that again and again and again when we've done that with folks who, who might look like they're far from Jesus. They absolutely love it. And of course, people who are walking Jesus, it's, it's dead easy to do this. Let me, um, I want to stop, let me give me a, a story to finish with um, uh, about, we should just an illustrative thing. I, I think we need to come with the sort of faith that is full of audacity and radical boldness. Uh, and uh, I was, we were reading about this and, and talking about it, and uh, one of the phrases that sometimes gets used when you talk about this really audacious, bold faith is it's faith that's full of chutzpah, uh, that, you know, that Yiddish term. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, we're talking about, well, what does chutzpah mean? And um, there's a story among which the Jewish rabbis tell. Here's how they define chutzpah. And they say, it's like this. They say, um, there was a boy who one evening got so angry that he murdered his mother and his father. But the next day he got up, put his clothes on, went to the city leaders and demanded that they, they financially support him every week because he's now become an orphan. And they say, that is chutzpah. It's an, and I'm not saying copy that boy, by the way, in case you're wondering. But what, I'm, what, it, what it's telling us is we need to have that sort of outrageously cheeky, bold, audacious faith when we come to God. Learn from that boy, albeit he had bad motives, but we can come with hopefully better motives and have have a level of boldness and trust and faith in God that he longs to do stuff like that in us and through us. We would come and ask the crazy, outrageous prayers of God that make absolutely no sense rationally, but we simply do it because we believe he is a good God. He is a good father and he loves to answer our hairy, crazy prayers like that. Let's, let's choose to be people of audacious, bold faith, the sort of faith that stops God and he calls us over and he answers our prayers in extraordinary ways. Let's choose to stop and pray. So we're going to do that. Now we're going to just respond to the Lord uh, and ask him to a so band. If you guys would like to come back up, we're going to worship a little. We're going to have a little time of, of response to this. Um, I I would love us to pray for a couple of groups of people. Um, Firstly, and hopefully a bunch of you will feel like this, um, and I want this as well, which is that we would, for those of you here, just say, I would like more boldness, greater boldness uh, for Jesus to work through me. So if you listen to this, you listen to this passage, listen to me, Witter on, And you're thinking, you know what, I would love to have Jesus um, work through me more. So Lord, would you help me to be bolder to take the risk to step out, even if it's just a little step, throw the Easter party, stop and pray with your neighbour in the college dorm, someone down the dorm corridor, or when you're at school, or wherever it is. Lord, would, would you help me to have the boldness to step out in faith, so anyone, would anyone like that today? Would anyone say, yes, I want greater boldness to, for Jesus to work through me? Anyone like Just raise a hand if you'd like that. Okay, good, quite a lot of hands. Okay, let's pray for that now. So, Jesus, we pray for boldness. We join in the example of the early church when they were under that persecution and they came together and they prayed for boldness. So we know it's a a thing you love to answer. It's a great prayer to pray. So Lord, I pray for a spirit of boldness to sweep through this room now upon each one of us that we will be bold to pursue you, that we will be bold to expect you to work through us, not out of any arrogance or disrespect, but simply because we believe you are a good God and you love to work in the world around us. You love to transform our friends and our neighbours. You love them more than we do, far more than we do. You you long to shape our our schools and our workplaces and, and the streets where we live. So we pray, Jesus, would you help us to be filled with boldness, to stop and to pray. Stop and pray. Lord, remind us of that phrase throughout this week stop and pray. Dig us in the ribs. We give you permission, Holy Spirit, would you come and give us digs in the ribs where we need to do that, where we're tempted to motor on or just watch, watch everything go by. Would you dig in the ribs and say, stop and pray. I'm at work here. I'm passing by. What do you need? Stop and pray. Lord, fill us with that boldness. And as we're praying this, some of you are aware specifically of situations where you need breakthrough Now, so I think most people, I think we're all still praying. So if you are where you need breakthrough now, would you just stand please? There's a situ- I'm not going to ask you to name what it is, but if you feel like you really need breakthrough in a situation. No one's going to ask you what it is. We're simply going to pray for you. But just by standing before God, you're just saying, Lord, I'm here. I need you. I'm, I'm taking that I'm running those steps, like Bartimaeus did, right up next to you. And I'm lifting this situation before you where I need breakthrough. Okay, friends, the rest of you, if you just see someone near you standing, would you just lay a hand on them or just raise a hand towards them? And we're just going to pray for them now. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the God of breakthrough. You are the God who has the answers. We don't have to have the answers, but you do. So, Lord, these, these dear folks who are standing and crying out to you for breakthrough, Lord, some of them in situations that we couldn't possibly fathom or even have, know what to say. But, Lord, they, they need your breakthrough. They're standing before you. So as their, as their brothers and sisters, we want to stand with them, hold them before you, and say, Lord Jesus, would you bring breakthrough? Would you bring your life, your healing, your hope, your release, your your resurrection presence into these situations? Please rekindle hope. Please flood them with your love. Please shine your light into the darkest of holes. Show the way forward. And Lord, if, it's, if simply at this point they need to take a stand, would you give them the courage and tenacity to do that? To take up the full armour of God, to take their stand, and and where you're wanting to bring a breakthrough and a change imminently, we pray that you do it, help them to spot that coming and to get in line with you with that as well. But Lord, we bless these friends in your mighty name. We pray that they would see that you are truly the God of angel armies, the God of breakthrough. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. And then just the third area we're going to pray for is um, we're going to pray... Um, and I'm not going to make you stand or identify yourself right now, but I'm just going to pray for anyone here. I mentioned earlier about choosing to, get, to make the shift from being beside the way to actually being on the way and following Jesus. So... I'll just give a moment of quiet. So if you're at that point where you think, you know what, I need to actually jump in with Jesus. I've been circling around, but I need to actually commit my heart to following Jesus. I'm going to do that now. So let's just pray together for that. If that's you, um, we're not going to make you stand up or anything publicly, but just in your own heart, I want you to pray this. And then just let me know afterwards that you've done that. So Lord Jesus, we pray for any here this morning who have been sitting beside the way watching you and are now ready to take that step and say, I want to be on the way, I want to be a follower of Jesus, I want to commit my heart and my life to being Jesus-centred. So we pray, Jesus, thank you that through your death on the cross, through the taking away of my sin, my, everything that obstructs my relationship with you. You've transformed me. I receive now your forgiveness and your new life. And thank you that I get to follow you on the way. Please come and fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can follow you in this life. I can make a difference for you wherever I go. And I'll know your peace in my heart and your direction for all that you have in store for me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.